Hi, hello, hola, and hello. Welcome to My Kids Think I'm Cool, but podcast. A podcast about getting knocked up in a foreign country, families living abroad, and raising children in a different culture. All while trying to keep your cool and not lose your shit. I'm your host, Jackie, an American Filipino mom living in Denmark, and my kids think I'm cool, but... Since the time changed recently, um, daylight savings, I've been telling my kids it has been the middle of the night when it's really 6 a.m. To get the whole story, you'll have to wait until the end of the show. Welcome to episode 4 of My Kids Think I'm Cool, but podcast. In today's episode, we'll be talking about getting knocked up abroad. I'm using American English slang right now, so basically I'm just saying getting pregnant abroad. In this episode, we'll be talking about how moms can prepare for birth in Denmark, what to expect before and after birth, and how important mother groups are for international mothers living abroad or in Denmark. It is an exciting moment for any new parent to become a new mom or dad, but it is also a scary time when your friends or family are not close by. My experience being pregnant in Denmark was fun, but lonely at times because I didn't have anyone to share my experience with. Yes, I had my husband and his family, but that is not the same when you don't have your friends and family like you do back home. I love my in-laws and they helped me so much with my first pregnancy. I always felt welcome, but it felt I also felt sad inside. For those mo- uh, months, my friends and family couldn't see my belly grow or feel my daughter kick in my belly. They got to experience my pregnancy through FaceTime, Facebook, or if I sent them a picture. But something was missing. The loneliness of being pregnant abroad is difficult for any mother. I think it is incredible strength for any international mother to live abroad and be away from their family. This episode will be for women who are pregnant abroad or women that just moved to Denmark with their new family and don't really know anyone. Also, the afterbirth, which is no one really talks about, and it's the dreaded postpartum. All what is going on, sorry about the pause, I had to like think because I was also thinking about my postpartum, <laughs> Then how scary it was, but all uh, will be discussed in today's episode and it's really my experience and my guests. Everyone has different experiences and no one has really the same experiences. So this is why I wanted to share what it's like living abroad, being pregnant, uh, especially in Denmark. I have a very special guest here that will be kind of explaining a little bit more about um, being pregnant in in Denmark. Uh, her name is Helen Henson. I met Helen a couple years ago when I joined a mother group called Mothering the Mo- Mother in Vile. Helen created this group to help mothers in need or help. A mother can reach out at any time when they feel overwhelmed or need some help. And Helen or another mother will come help them when when they ask or request for it. Also, Helen is a doula for um, any expecting mothers. She helps mothers uh, get through the birthing process and explains it, and then also afterwards the dreaded postpartum, where you heard me pause a little bit because I started thinking about my own postpartum, where I'm like, oh, wow, that's a real thing. <laughs> and lastly, she helps new mothers uh, oh, get through the postpartum. 
that's when you know I'm reading. <laughs> um, Helen has also lived international uh, outside of Denmark, so she really knows the feeling of being an international mother in a different country besides Denmark. So welcome, Helen. Thank you for taking the time to be a part of the show. I've been looking forward to this episode because during our back and forth conversations, um, you mentioned some interesting topics that I thought was very important that uh, other mothers should hear, um, especially when they're expecting or living living here in Denmark. Um, would you like to add anything into your uh, introduction? Did I miss anything or anything that uh, the listeners should know about you? Um, no, thank you. First of all, Declan, for inviting me here. Okay. Um, uh, no, the, I think you ta- said mostly everything that needed to be said about the topic here. Okay, perfect. Um, and then you also... How many uh, kids do you have? Or um, when we were talking about you lived internationally, what countries have you lived in and um, where did you raise your children? Okay. Well, I have lived mainly in Denmark with my kids, but I've also lived for four years in Thailand and I have lived in uh, Austria for a while and in the, uh, Turkey for a while when I had small children. And two of my sons, my two sons, are born in Thailand. Okay. Um, what was the most difficult uh, part with you and your family when you were trying to adapt to these to these uh, countries, especially when it's not your own? You always grew up in Denmark, or you're from Denmark. You grew up here, and then all of a sudden you're in a different country, uh, raising your own kids, like a lot of people are here in Denmark uh, doing. Yeah. Yes. Actually, I was I was thinking about different things like the food or the uh, traffic jams in Bangkok or things like this, but. The main thing for me had actually been that I was pregnant when I came there, three months pregnant with my third child. <clears throat> and I was really worried about giving birth there because I did not know um, how was it going to be. And I heard horror stories about how it was, you know, from other foreigners like me because uh, we it's a, it's a scary time and something you really uh, worry about how am I going to cope in this situation. How was the language barrier in uh, Thailand versus English? Were the the doctor or nurses English were good, or did you have to have a, a translator the whole time? No, it was they all spoke English. It okay. was actually it was actually the the hospital was uh, international. It was an American run hospital. Um, it, uh, there was an, um, it was an uh, Seventh Day Adventist hospital. I was went to, to because okay. they they were internationals and they spoke English. Okay, so that helped you a lot that yeah. they spoke they spoke English and you didn't yes. need to, to have a translator or anything. Did, no. did they tell you when you were going uh, before you were going into birth? Of course, uh, how did they prepare you compared to here? Because you you mentioned before, I don't I think you mentioned on this show yet, but you had your daughters here in Denmark, but you yeah. had your sons in Thailand. Yeah, what was the difference between the two countries and giving birth into the two countries? Okay. Like in Denmark, they are very, uh, even in those days, they were very natural about giving birth. You could actually move around 
and uh, you could have, you could, uh, you didn't have to just lay still in bed. You know, they were very good with that. And the first baby I actually had, I, I, I gave birth to naked because I couldn't stand having clothes on, and uh, you couldn't do that in Thailand. No, the, there they were very strict with you. You had to to lay down. You had to have your legs in stirrups. You had to actually tie your hands and feet just at the time of the pushing. Before you started pushing, they wanted you to tie down. They had straps on the... Really? The, yeah, the, yeah, it's crazy. And uh, I actually, that was one of the things I worked on. I refused to have my hands tied, and I, I told, uh, I didn't want other mothers to go through this. I told them, this is not necessary. It's a... It's a natural thing. Yes. Like, let, let your should, body loose. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I agreed to having my legs strapped because I figured, I mean, I, I'm not going to run away from this and I will push <laughs> this baby out, you know, but uh, it was really, it was really crazy. I, this was why I actually contemplated a home birth. I contemplated giving birth without anybody but my husband there. Yeah. But then just one hour before I give birth, I actually figured, oh, I think I would probably, it would be okay to go to the hospital. I was a little bit, you know, it was a little scary. I didn't know. What could happen, you know? So, so I went to the hospital. Yeah, caught a taxi, walked up to the road, caught a taxi, went to the hospital, went in there. I had my daughter, who was one and a half, with us in the stroller. We, <laughs> I said to her, I just check in here. I'm gonna have the baby. Okay, uh, they said, okay, yeah, yeah, uh, just come in when you're finished. And I went out. We gave her some food. She was gonna have some uh, fried rice because there was just Thailand, you know. And I said, okay, my husband, uh, put, oh, she's good. I didn't say my husband. I said, okay, Daniel, <laughs> <laughs> now you have to get her to go to sleep. And she's one of those babies that slept really quickly. So he just rolled her back and forth a little bit and she fell asleep. We put her outside the delivery room, rips into the delivery room. Uh, and 10 minutes later, the, my son was born. So it was like, whoa, it was yeah. really fast like that. That was fast, yeah. Yes. And so you woke up, or your daughter woke up, oh, little brother. Yes. Hi, little uh, brother. <laughs> A present for me. (laughs) (laughs) So it was kind of crazy. Yeah. And um, anyway, so it was very different from having a baby in Denmark. Yeah. Yes. And um, it it was very uh, scary because I didn't know what was going to happen. And that was the start of my doula business because one mother that heard about this experience that I had like a good... And I didn't have to get tied down, and they didn't t- uh, cut me because that was also something people were scared of getting uh, lots of epistomies, uh, you know, like yeah. So, uh, so the next three months later, a friend asked me to come along to her birth the first time, and that's to help how you, I, to that's how for I you started. To help her. Oh, okay, and and they started respecting me in that hospital because they realized that I was had a a good uh, connection with birthing mothers could help them, and also. They didn't have to be so um, harsh on us, you know, because we would uh, we could relax and and yeah, we could actually relax. And, and you can tell them, no, she doesn't want to get tied down. Yeah, yeah, I said that <laughs> she didn't want to like get tied down. She doesn't want to have an episiotomy, and that's they didn't do that. Wow, how long did you live in Thailand um, for? Uh, for four years. Four yes. years, okay. So yes. you did that for four years, help mothers yes, and kind of get through the birthing process. Yes, there. not all the time, but sometimes when yeah. people ask me. And also one other thing, I asked for my husband to be there at the birth, and 
he was allowed to be on the bus. Normally, they were very strict. Men still had to stay out and wait oh, okay. outside because I really wanted my husband to be there. And the same thing happened there with my other friend, and and it started loosening up. So we actually made a revolution. Yeah, <laughs> that's nice. My kind of girl. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's so that's so awesome that um, <laughs> you kind of started that for in, in uh, what city in Thailand? Actually? This was in Bangkok. Bangkok. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you were there for four years, and then um, when you moved back or from you know traveling um, all over the world, basically with your children, <laughs> you decided to move back to Denmark. How was the how was the transition moving back to Denmark uh, for you and your children? Mm-hmm. See, I didn't think it was a big thing. I'm a, I'm a very flexible person, so I don't really notice a lot uh, about okay, this is just it. It's a new way of doing things, but I'll just accept that um, but my kids felt it was a bit a, a change my little daughter five-year-old daughter she said mommy when are we going back home to Kurat uh, because on the airplane she said yeah because for her Denmark was not home yeah she, not, she, she was one when we moved and she never really remembered anything so it was like a big thing for her to to come back to this country where it was cold yeah that was one of the things very cold for us and no people we were used to people milling around the three um, lines in a row, you know, down the streets, you know, back and forth. And, and smog and scooters. Yes, and <laughs> noise and glare and colors. Action. Streets, <laughs> lots of things. And in Denmark, when we came There's out no of, the, of the train station, the main train station in Copenhagen, and my husband said, where are all the people? He really, like for him, that was the culture shock. Where are all the people? So... Yeah, that was, uh, some of the different. It's it was of course very different, you know. But um, um, yeah, we but we we kind of just felt it was okay. It was fine to come back, and we had our family also here. Yeah, yeah. so and it was friends. nice. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. How long did it take for your your kids to actually accept that they are from Denmark and they're going to be staying here? Well, I think like the, the the one that was seven, I had one that was almost yeah. eight when she came back, and she, uh, for her, she remembered her grandparents and family, and she was really happy to be back. She spoke Danish after, because she stopped speaking Danish when we moved to Thailand. She started speaking just English right away after three weeks. Yeah, and uh, when we came back, she picked up her Danish again. But she said she did not understand a single word before that. When mom and dad talked Danish together, she didn't understand it. So for her, suddenly. To start, uh, to she only knew yes and no because she had asked me, how do you ask, how do you say yes and no in Danish? <laughs> so she really, but she picked it up. After three months, she spoke fluently. The other daughter, she, yeah, she also just went into it. She, yeah, she was fine. There was no problem. How about your sons? They were small. Okay. Uh, one of them was... Two. So they didn't even feel the effect of uh, the transition no, over to Denmark? The, the one of them was has Down syndrome. Yeah. He was three. And the other one was one. So they were super small. Yeah. So they won't even remember Not really. Thailand For them, at all. No, they don't. They don't. No. Okay. So besides the culture shock, did, did your kids have any culture shock? You mentioned that when you arrived to Copenhagen, yeah. you're just like, whoa, where's the crowd? Where, where's the people? Where was where was it when your your children figured out like whoa this is not Thailand and this is where I'm going to be because for me when I moved to the U S I was culture shocked because of breakfast <laughs> yeah because in the Philippines when we would always have rice for breakfast yeah. and then when I came to America 
they gave me this milk and sugary, sugary <laughs> sweets. I'm just like, what is this? It's like, this is not breakfast. Where's my rice? And my mom's like, no, this is cereal. I'm like, what's cereal? I was like, this is gross. No, I'm not going to have it. So that was, for me, a big culture shock. I think food was culture shock yeah, for me. Yeah. Uh, every time I go anywhere, I think culture shock for me is food. Because yeah. especially when I yeah. came here to Denmark, I was like, potato every day. Mm-hmm. Really, potato. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. Yeah. now I came, I came from, when I came from Philippines to U.S., I'm like, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, cereal, what is all this stuff? Mm-hmm. I was like, where's my rice and meat and sauce and stuff like that? So yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think was the, the culture shock for, for your children when they moved back to Denmark? Well, that, uh, I guess the food was a, b- a big difference. That's true because we weren't used to potatoes and bread. Did they eat rubble when they were in Thailand? Of course, we didn't have any bread. We did not. I mean, you couldn't in those days. This is like forty years ago, almost. We didn't have. They didn't really have bread. You could maybe buy some very white bread, like made out of rice flour. Yeah. And you buy you, but that was we didn't eat it because we are more health freaks, you know. So we didn't eat that. But um, no, we didn't have bread really. So they were raised in rice. They were raised in rice. Yeah, they were raised. Did you have to keep that kind of taste up a little bit while you when you moved back here we, to Denmark? We, we have been eating all kinds of stuff. We yeah. still love Thai food. It's our yeah. favorite food. We love eating rice and so we are more we're not like Danes. We actually don't eat Danish food. <laughs> we don't like Danish food too much because it doesn't Ooh-ha. taste very good. <laughs> I think. It's yeah. not we we used to those nice spices, you know, and herbs and stuff like this that taste good. Yeah. So you like more flavor? We do. Yeah. yeah. Same same for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, since this episode, uh, we got a little bit of your background and where you raise your children, and I think it's I think it's great having different backgrounds and different cultures that influence yeah. children because it it builds more I think character and and children. And I feel like for me when I am it was international in America and now I'm international in Denmark. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have more. Nothing really shocks me when it. Mm-hmm. When I move somewhere no, or go somewhere, no, no, no. I kind of just like, oh, okay, yeah, that's how it is. Versus someone exactly. that's never left, left the country. It's like, why is it like that? Yeah. It's like, I think it's, it's so interesting. But since this, this episode is for um, expecting mothers, what do you think is one of the key benefits for raising or for, for pregnant mothers and mm-hmm. uh, families to be raised, raised in Denmark? Um, well, uh, I think, like, I, I really like the Danish system, the way uh, the midwifery system is, yeah. that you can have, you have your baby. They're very into natural birth. If you like natural birth, I, I am natural birth freak, you know, I like it. But also, I, I totally accept if people can't have a baby naturally or whatever, you know, but uh, you can have your baby naturally. You're not going to be pushed into having the epidural or you're not going to be pushed into stuff here. You have a midwife. You don't have a doctor. Uh, it's not like a medical thing. It, they ac- accept a birth to be a natural thing, you know. They will give you some type of birth prep to go to the hospital for free uh, to check uh, the birth prep classes they have, which I sometimes think uh, people say is more like a mechanical thing or technical about how it goes on in the hospital, not so much about uh, the actual feelings or the, how do you go through a birth, how do you breathe and stuff. And uh, But they have a, they also have like a, a free medical system that, that you can have your baby for free. And they have this mother group, group that you talk yeah. about, mother group, and they have a health visitor 
So yeah. this plastic, this plastic that yeah. comes and you can say no to her if you don't want to have somebody coming there. Yeah. But if you want to, she can come, she weighs your baby, she yeah. sees if you, if the baby seems to be thriving and if you are thriving, if you have, or if you show any signs of a yeah. depression or something, it's, it's a nice thing to have yeah. somebody checking up on you. I really like yep. having uh, a nurse come yep. by and check mm-hmm. the baby or if I'm breastfeeding right yes. or yeah, yeah. if something I'm doing wrong, the mm-hmm. baby's not eating right um it was nice to have that uh help or that second opinion yeah. instead of calling the doctors all the time yes. so it's a uh, more out of the hand of the of the medical system yeah. it's more uh, into a personal yeah thing. personal thing mm-hmm. they come in um in your experience uh what are some of the difficulties i know you deal with a lot of international mothers here in denmark what do you think some of the difficulties uh international mothers have here in denmark while they're pregnant or even after when they have their their children um because yeah every like i'm happy to a certain point but there's sometimes it's like oh my god like i just miss the way it is back home or or something like that yeah. i think networking to find uh friends to find uh, like-minded people people that understand what you're going through uh, they're missing their family as you said you know and they are sometimes at birth they are very scared of if they have going to a hospital because they don't know what to expect they don't know the danish system how they are going to go about things you know yeah and, uh, so i guess they go through the same things as i did when i was in thailand because i didn't know how to what to expect there you know so um uh I think that to find a good network to yeah. f- before birth, to have some friends that you can rely on and afterwards is yeah. very important so that you can go through post- postpartum. Yeah, and and a lot of people don't focus on the post- postpartum. And I know that'll be my, uh, yeah, further down and what yeah. we talk about. <laughs> But um, what are... What do you think are the best practices practices that these mothers should do? Uh, for me, it was really finding the mother group. Mm-hmm. And I never even knew mother groups um, were offered until I had my baby. Okay, so yeah. they didn't tell you, the midwife didn't tell you when mm. you were going to the pregnancy uh, pregnancy check- checkups or something? To be honest, I feel like I was a zombie. Uh. Um, a zombie when... Uh, my whole pregnancy because I was happy I was pregnant but at the same time sad it was I had so many emotions mm-hmm. I don't I remember the birthing but at the same time I re- just remember it was the worst feeling in the world mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. so it was just like I, I was a robot I was mm-hmm. just like here going there okay. kind of yeah I was just a, a automatic robot and maybe they mentioned to me about mm-hmm. a group and maybe mm-hmm. it just went out the other ear yeah they probably did mention it but uh, maybe it was in Danish and I wasn't yeah. paying attention <laughs> yeah the, that's true but it, uh, the mother groups are really good I think especially if you can get an If you if your Danish is not very good, it's best to be in an international group because they also sp- they st- that speak English, right? Yeah, that English speaking international group, uh, because then you can you can actually share your hearts with people. If you go into a Danish group just to in for for the benefit of learning more Danish, yeah, often you will be feeling left yeah. out, yeah, because everybody speak. They tend to just speak Danish, even yeah. if they speak English. They will t- maybe speak English to you for a short time, and, and then, then go they back start to the conversation. Blah, 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 yeah, yes, and yeah, 
That's what I actually experienced. My first mother group was yeah. international. Yeah. So with my daughter, I had an international mother group. We mm -hmm. were actually the first international group that the Students Plus put together. Okay. So I was lucky enough to have a group of international mothers. We all kind of had the babies at the same time. Yep. And to this day, I actually am still friends with them and still yes. keep in touch with yes. them. Yeah. Because we're all still uh, going through the same thing with the... Um, even though we all have our second baby now, we're still kind of talking, sure. experiencing it. Uh, two of the mothers went back home, back to France and Portugal, uh, but others are settled here in Denmark. So it was actually really nice to have the group, and I'm yeah. still really good friends with most of them. And then with my second child, since I had a kind of a stable friends already, I wanted to improve my Danish. So I actually went into a Danish group Yes, yes. my second time. Mm -hmm. And I like I liked it, but I didn't feel um, not accepted, but I didn't feel um, part of it a, a bit because of the language yes. barrier. So, yeah, it's definitely good to start with the international one. Mm -hmm. um, some people really click with with their groups and mm -hmm. some people don't. Yeah. So I think it just depends on the person and how, how you're raising yeah. um, your how you're raising your child. Yes. So for me, like I said earlier, I didn't know that these groups were, were available or I didn't even know that you can look on Facebook for international groups. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I was doing it like old school when I was pregnant with my first one going like, okay, I'm going to pregnant swimming or I'm yeah, going to go to, yeah, I'm going to try to meet someone. Mm -hmm. But then these flashbacks of me as a six-year-old going to school, like, will you be my friend? Yeah. <laughs> I, that was like flashback, oh. but it was like all like mm -hmm. Danes and it just wasn't clicking because my Danish wasn't strong enough. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, would you be my friend, <laughs> my pregnant friend? It was just, it was really funny. But now I'm, re I'm really happy. I have, I have my mother group mm -hmm. and my friends. So yeah, I, if, if any of the listeners out there that don't know about these groups, you could easily find international yeah. mother groups on Facebook. Yes. And it's really nice. It really saved me and living here in, in Denmark. Uh, really. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, with the with the mother groups, um, how important um, is it? Better to have a local local like Dane as as a friend here or in Denmark or international? Because I noticed a lot of internationals are actually just kind of sticking together, mm -hmm. not having so many Danish friends. Mm -hmm. I, I actually mm -hmm. have some Danish mm -hmm. friends, mm -hmm. but it's only because of my husband. Yeah. I really don't know what to say about that because <laughs> I know that uh, in Bilond, they people say, "Oh, they're so cliquish." The international say stick together, you know. Yeah. And, but I think it's because of the language. It's easier to speak heart to heart with somebody that speaks the same language as you, even if a Dane speaks to you. Most Danes they don't have the same uh, feel of the language, so they can't really share their hearts with you or yeah. You. Uh, so it's vice versa too. I yeah. can't really share my feelings in, in Danish. Danish. Yeah, that's as a I problem. Would. I know. I, I know. It's it, it's a problem for for people like that. So that's why I, I, I don't I don't think you should look at nationalities. You should look at the person. Uh, if that person clicks with you, yeah, it doesn't matter where they come from, as yeah. long as you have something in common and you feel, wow. My friend, my it could be somebody from Zambia or whatever. You yeah, know? it could be somebody from Greenland. If you feel that connected, you, click, you know. Yeah, that. yeah. So nationalities or color, creed, whatever, it doesn't really matter. It's it is how you feel with with the person. person. Yeah, yeah. And when I tell my friends back home, it's like, oh, I have 
uh, friends are like, oh, you have a lot of Danish friends? I'm like, no, not really, actually. Mm. I might have friends from Lithuania, mm. Poland, Chile. <laughs> yeah, here we are. <laughs> um, all over the world, mm. South Africa. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a big benefit for my children to yes. learn these cultures, yeah. too. That, um, that they have friends from all over the world. Yeah. And it makes a big impact on uh, the way they, they grow up because they're not close-minded like, this is how it's going to be. No, they have dif- different ways in different parts yeah. of the world. They'll be citizens of the world. They're yeah. not going to be one nationality, you know. And also children that grow up with many different uh, people with different skin colors, they actually don't notice that uh, they are different. They just think this is a person, you know, the, these are my friends. And Very uh, true. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's why I think it's very good to, to, to just... Mix up, mix with each other like internationals. That's why my kids are internationals. They are not any nationality. Yeah, as yeah. Such, really. they're yeah. citizens of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, in an earlier conversation we had, which really I thought was interesting, you told me that you actually uh, raised your children in communal. <gasps> yes. Before we take a break, I want I really want to get this out in the communal Uh-oh. communal the communal atmosphere yeah. where. Uh, your kids have lots of aunts and aunties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, can you explain a little bit about that? Because I never heard of it. I haven't heard of it, but in movies, I never really thought there were like real life yeah, people, people that did it. It was just like what you see in the 70s and 80s yes. in the movies, yeah. Flower Power and <laughs> all that yeah. stuff. So how was that and how was that experience um, benefiting your your children now. You you said earlier, yeah, they're they're normal people. I, yeah, they turn out. <laughs> they turn out good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, like yes, I I thought I lived together with lots of different people, and in those days we lived in just in a house, and we just had each couple had a different little room, you know, and little kids slept with their parents in those days, and and then um, we had we shared. Cooking, we shared the dishes, we shared the cleaning of the house, and we actually made a schedule. So uh, one day it was me, one day it was the next person, and this person, this person, and we did cooking, we did cleaning, we did whatever, you know. Organized we hippies. Yeah. We were, we were actually, I was never really a hippie. I wasn't cool enough to be a hippie. I really wanted to be a hippie, but I never was into the drug scene. <laughs> so, well, I, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, here in Denmark, there is communities that is completely out of the hippie thing. Yeah. I actually used to work in a house for a lady with disabilities. Yeah. And she lived in a community, she lived in a, in a community where everyone has their own house and a common space to cook and everything. And no, none of them was a hippie. No, no. no. Well, that yeah. was what I was no. also just talking yeah. to Jack yeah, but then about. It's funny too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But everybody thinks it's a it's a hippie. It was out of the hippie movement, of yeah. course. Those yeah. things happened. But uh, this, the the benefit is that you, as a mother, when you have your first child, you you can learn from the others before yeah. the, the birth. You know a bit about birth. And for example, when my water bag broke, I didn't know I was in labor with my first baby. Uh, and then I started getting a little contraction. I, I had gone to the toilet in the middle of the night. Did the baby come out? No, no, I, <laughs> I went. I have. I have fast birth through. I went to the hospital. No, to the toilet, and then my water bag broke. But I didn't know. I thought it just went wee a lot. And yeah, I thought, okay, that's strange. I went back to bed, and then I, I turned around, and a little bit of water came out to my husband, and I felt a little pe- period pain. You know. So yeah. Like, mm, maybe. 
I said something. Maybe maybe I'm having a p- um, contractions. But okay, so he went upstairs to my yeah. other friend, and she was saying, "Nah, if it was just a like, little bit of water, it's not a, it's nothing." Yeah, but she went to the toilet. I think they talked about it. And she said, "Oh, she went to the toilet. Maybe she, maybe it was the water bag that yeah. was breaking." So then we found out that I actually was in labor. And in those days, they se- said you had to go to the hospital when the water bag broke. So I did that and. After five hours, I had the baby, so it was good. I went there and uh, five hours. I'm so jealous. Yeah, but I had <laughs> I had super easy labors. I, yeah, I, I know. Don't but brag then, about it. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I just no, kidding. You have to hear good stories. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Terrible stories. No, but uh, also I learned like if you needed to breastfeed, you could help. They could help you, you know. Yeah. Or if you needed somebody to, to babysit, yeah, there would be somebody, and you could take care. You took care of yeah. their kids and. People help each other, and, and yeah, you that's didn't nice. Have, to have all the burdens of, of cooking. Yeah, lots yeah, lots that's of that's a benefit because I cook every day. <laughs> yeah, and I hate cooking. Yeah, how did how did um, last question before we go on our break? How did your parents feel about uh, the whole yeah, communal living? Uh, they 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 thought it was weird. Of course, it's weird. You know, it's and also weird to come and visit sometimes. And but they, my mother, she thought they were kind of cool people. Some of them, you know. Yeah, but. But uh, they, th- for them, it was a totally out of this world, different yeah. way of living. Yeah, yeah, because they probably grew up in like the fifties, where it's like very um, cookie cutting fa- family. That's how it is in, no, the, in the US. Uh, like actually, cookie my, cutting. my my mother was born in nineteen thirty. Okay, so she she grew up under the Second World yeah. War. Yeah, so she was a. But still, that was anyway a family with. All the children living yeah. in the same house, and that's it, you know. Yeah. That's just a normal There's thing, n- There's it? no extra no. families coming in. <laughs> well, this that was really interesting, and I'm really happy we touched a little bit on the communal living, because that, to me, that's new. That's always been a movie to me. So let's take a small break. Uh, I wanted to share this new artist I discovered. Actually, my friend knows this girl, and uh, she's from Los Angeles, and... Her name is Nina Gray, and I wanted to play her song called Starlight. Souls walking around in bodies, let's not forget. We're all souls from other planets Stars feel like they're far away Let's not forget All the promises we made When we return to this earth Have a hundred years or so Learn to breathe, learn to walk Then run, then love Then back to space we go And now We're starting to remember We're starlight, starlight
Watch him burn In the fire of our solution Grace never hits our hearts the same Still love remains our compass We're we lost in the night Floating through our space and time We hold on to our fate Limitless we radiate, oh God We're starting to remember I hope you guys like her music. Um, I'm happy that she allowed me to play her music on my podcast. So thank you. And she's also from Los Angeles, representing from my my hometown. Yeah. Before the music break, we spoke to Helen about living abroad, the difficulties of living abroad as a parent, communal living, and finding a mother group. Now let's talk about birth preparation and what is postpartum. That word still scares me. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Helen, you work as a doula. I know there's a few people out there that actually don't know what a doula does. Um, can you explain a little bit on what, what it is? Yes. Um, a doula is supposed to be a mother and a woman that helps other women. Uh, it comes from the old Greek word that's called doula. It means servant or uh, somebody that helps others. And um, it used to be um, a lady that took care of all the things about the, it was a slave that took care of all the things about the housewife of the house with well, her pregnancy, her birth, her delivery, her afterbirth, her, her her postnatal time, and babysitting and everything around that thing there. You know, so a doula nowadays is a mom, a woman that has had children before, mostly, so she understands how it is to give birth and to be in that situation. She has also, um, she knows about how to, to, to support a woman. Uh, she teaches birth preparation. She also is there for a mother to call for, from two weeks before her birth to two weeks after her birth is scheduled, the, the due date. Now I'm a little bit confused. And also um, for uh, that so that she can uh, be there for you postpartum if you need some kind of help there. Okay. So because... 
I never heard of a doula till till um, after I had my first baby. Yeah. Actually, maybe till you met me or something. Yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. that's why because yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I got this. I only need me and my husband, and yeah. I could, I could do it all on my own. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, I didn't know what I was doing when I was going through the whole birthing process. No. Um, actually, when when I my water broke here, um, I thought it was crazy. My water broke, and then we went straight to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And the hospital actually tried to send us back home because yeah. I wasn't dilating. I wasn't getting any contraction. Mm-hmm. They said, oh, well, you have to wait. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like, what? I, I just drove 30 minutes. I'm like, why do I have to wait? Yeah. And luckily, I agreed to take some pills to uh, enhance mm-hmm. the birthing. And mm-hmm. it, I took it and it happened within 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I started getting contra- contractions and um, when I talked to some of my friends, they actually waited till they're literally going to give birth and then they left for the mm-hmm, hospital. Mm-hmm. I thought that was crazy because I could hardly even walk when I was going through the process and, mm-hmm. and uh, having the contraction. Um, and also, after all that 17 hours of contraction, I actually end up having mm, a C-section. C-section. So all that hard work actually down the drain to get surgery and I was really 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 sad about it because mm. I was like I'm gonna give birth the natural way mm. and no that didn't happen there's like no you have to do c-section so it felt like it was a waste <laughs> to go through the pain of everything um would you say a doula is important for a first-time pregnancy uh, yes I think it's very important for a mom to have birth preparation first of all i would really stress that that mm-hmm. people really prepare themselves mentally and physically and really know what know something about what they can get into you cannot prepare no. for the birth because you can prepare for the birth but you cannot know what's going to happen because every birth is different yeah. and uh, you don't know what's going to happen you just don't know and you don't know what second birth is going to be or the third normally the second birth is much faster easier than the first one yeah but um yes i think it's good and i think it's very good for uh, for the mother to have this support when they when they have a doula at their birth because a doula is actually a calming presence i really believe so because you don't feel left alone and you don't feel that you have to only connect to the midwives and then they leave for going uh, for the next shift you know and then yeah. come a new one you have to kind of connect with her yeah and you have of course your husband but if he doesn't know exactly how to to cope with this whole situation, <laughs> then he can be very he can actually need a doula to calm yeah. him down and, yeah. and 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 feel that he's actually also been seen and heard because sometimes dads feel totally left out. So there's a lot of good things about having an extra support person at your birth. But Are you um, on call? So basically, for example, I'm having my ba- my baby. Do you just go immediately? Drop whatever you're doing. <laughs> yeah. And go. Yes, I do that. Okay, I really do that. And most of the time, it's been in the middle of the night. So, so that's. Uh, do, you, that. do you charge extra rate no. for middle of the night? That's why no, <laughs> double do double that. the rate. Exactly, it would be really great if I did. But that's that's why. So so those this time when I'm on call is actually quite taxing for the doula because you have to. Uh, like I, I was the first in the beginning of the time I feel kind of sleep okay because maybe it's not going to happen tonight but as closer you get to the due date or after the due date you really know now it's going to be soon now it's going to be soon and then it's always like around one o'clock they call okay yeah. no you're gonna have the baby you know? yeah and then I have to zoom off to the hospital or to the home or whatever people yeah 
Wanting it's like you having the baby. You're like waiting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm waiting just as much as uh, the parents. <laughs> and it's so funny. And like like I said, I never thought I would need this in the birthing process. And I thought I was strong enough uh, to handle these contractions. I didn't know how bad contractions were going to be no. until I'm in the middle of them. And man, I was wrong. I thought I could just like, oh, I can do it myself. And when those contractions came or when I knew they were coming, I totally freaked out. It started holding my breath and I was like, breathe. I was like, no, I don't know. I just wanted to go away. And I would start pacing the room. And then all of a sudden when it comes, I would go by the window and just want to (laughs) die because it hurts so bad so really sad because that made it was actually really bad because you needed to i was fighting it right you know yeah i heard i'm fighting the contraction so it's making it longer yes and it can actually make it it look you're kind of getting much tighter down here so that you don't let go of the baby so that's why one reason why sometimes people that an epidural actually helps. Did you have an epidural? Yeah, I, ha- I did because I yeah. couldn't handle it. No. I was stressing. And my uh, midwife at the time actually thought it was a good idea yeah. for me to get an epidural because I wasn't relaxing. No, exactly. I was crying. I was mm-hmm. pacing around mm-hmm. the room. Mm-hmm. I was, oh, yes. yeah, I was really Definitely, you should have an epidural yeah. in, that, in that case. Yeah. So and that usually can help actually make people relax so that the baby comes down and you can push it out. But sometimes it causes a C-section. That's that's one thing. Yeah. If you get an epidural, it can cause the contractions to slow down. So that can be the reason why. Yeah, because I was stuck actually at five. Yeah. Okay. And that was not very. There was not very much no, dilated no. actually. Um, and my daughter was actually ready to come out mm. because when I did the C-section and she came out, she had a cone head. Okay, so she was. She was already pushing oh, out, wow. and my body wasn't letting her. No. <laughs> They're like, nope, nope, your mom is not not cool, not not relaxed. She's oh, not ready. No. So it was kind of uh, when she came out, it was she had a cone head, mm. and that the little hat that the uh, yeah. doctor gives you only covered the cone head, <laughs> not the actual head. <laughs> and then with my son, it was different. Mm. He had so much hair that the hat wouldn't stay on. Oh. <laughs> so definitely two different, uh, two different experiences. Yes, yes, yes. Oh. Um, while I was having um, both both kids here here in Denmark, mm-hmm. um, for any expecting mothers living in Denmark, especially when they don't have family uh, close by, um, what do you think should help them um, not feel so alone and isolated? Besides, like groups, like we mm-hmm. always been expressing, yeah. oh, join a group. But maybe there's some shy shy moms out there that are not brave enough to just post on um, mm-hmm. on Facebook. Hi, uh, anyone want to have a play date? Or mm-hmm. um, I'm having this. What What do you think should help them kind of cope with living living abroad and not feeling so isolated and kind of just get out of their comfort zone? Wow, this is a different difficult question for me. But <laughs> I mean, one one thing is that when people have come to me to ask for a doula, it's because they would like to pay for somebody to be there for for them. So they don't feel that they are actually owing that person something afterwards. And also at the same time, postpartum, it can also be that they pay somebody for those services that they need for just feeling that they can actually take care of their baby because they can't clean the house, they can't cook, they can't... um, do the laundry, yeah. you know, just the simple life chores, whatever goes on with life, you know. Um, so, I, but I, I really don't know. I don't really have any other 
good points yeah. to good uh, it's just try try to get out of your comfort zone because mentally i think it's it's very draining for someone that um lives abroad and and can't really have that support it is yeah. it's very difficult yeah. and and that's why many people actually come down with postnatal depression yeah because they simply um they they, they get overwhelmed by reality yeah we think that after we have a baby it's going to be this bliss. The birth we are scared of. Oh my god! And we prepare yeah. the breathing techniques and this and that. And then, but and then suddenly we stand there with a newborn baby and we think everything is going to be so lovely. But then the baby have is a colicky baby, or yeah. you can't breastfeed, or or the baby doesn't sleep in the night, and you are just going to be so tired. And you know, there's so many things that we don't think Expect, about yeah. before, and. Uh, we 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 of course we can't prepare for it because we don't really know what's going to happen. But we can we can l- learn from others and hear what yeah. others have been going through. So we at least know a little bit about what can happen. Yeah. And people have told me before, if I knew this was happening, I would have been prepared for it. But I really didn't. Yeah. Know. No and one. That's what you yeah, said also. No one. No one knows and how to prepare for it. You no. Kind of just just go with it. And this is why you call it the fourth. Trimester. Yes, trimester. trimester because yeah. actually the fourth is more the most difficult l- normally of of the three. L- like the, you have three. Can you trimesters. explain a little bit the three trimester yeah, the, then the fourth? Yes, uh, when you're pregnant. Yeah, we we usually uh, split up the pregnancy in the first trimester, which is the first three months, which yeah. are where you are nauseous and all this. You don't really look pregnant. Okay, four, five, six. Then you are kind of okay. Your yeah. body is just growing the baby and you're getting little, you look like a cute little pregnant person. And then comes the last uh, six, seven, uh, no, seven, eight, nine, when you are really getting bigger and yeah. you're more cumbered and cumbered by having this big stomach yeah. and you want to have the baby. So these are the three different trimesters. The one and that's talked about a lot. <laughs> yes. But then we have the... After you have give birth, then there is three months when your body is really trying to recuperate. When you are trying to recuperate mentally, you're trying to cope with being a new mother, you know, having this baby, bonding with the baby, breastfeeding, uh, simply just coping with life. And that's when you actually really need some support. Yeah. That's when you need both mental support from somebody that has can just listen to you, have been there where you are, or... Somebody that can help you physically. If you have, for example, visitors, you shouldn't have visitors that come and demand you to host them. You know, with a big cake and lovely uh, coffee, and but expect to come there with something and then make a cup of coffee for you and or a cup of tea or whatever, and and, and don't care about that your house is a mess or yeah. even help you. Can I do something for you? Can I? Uh, uh, do your laundry for you or can I wash your floor or anything like that you know I don't know whatever vacuum the living room go, go for a walk with your dog whatever yeah just take care of yourself during yeah. the fourth fourth trimester yes and we don't really think about it because I with me that my first pregnancy it was it was so exciting yes it's, and I was like oh yeah I um I got this and you know, I'm gonna do this, this, and this uh, when I have the baby. But when when that comes, it's like, boom! Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. The baby's crying. Uh, what does the baby want? Yeah. Change diaper, feed. 
it's tired. How do you put it to sleep? How do you soothe it? Mm -hmm. Then your house is a mess. Then people want to visit. Mm -hmm. It's just like yeah. so much going on. And then especially being alone in the country, mm -hmm. you can't just call your parents. Go like, hey, no. can you come over and help? Or uh, when you're a friend exactly. or go mm -hmm. to a friend that already had kids and ask for advice. You don't have that. Um, and I think it's very stressing for a new parent uh, during the whole th whole time, and then on top of it, your body healing. Yeah, it's healing it at the same time while you're going through all these emotions of being tired. Yeah. Um, I was falling asleep when I was breastfeeding because <laughs> I'm like I'm just so tired yes. and shot yes. that I would just fall asleep everywhere. Yeah, I was I was so tired, and I won't even remember where I last when the last time I showered. So it's like I was so disorganized. Oh yeah. Even that, even that is such a big thing for many moms. This thing about even being able to shower because, yeah, you don't have, you just don't take time for it. You don't find the time for it. You know? No, or mm. if if my daughter would be sleeping for those two hours, I would always have been like, okay, I have two hours. Should I clean the house? Should I take a shower? Or should I sleep? Mm -hmm. You yeah. have only these like three options, yes. or. If you're worried about, you know, getting back to your previous weight, should I exercise? Oh, <laughs> like, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's like I always had an in internal dialogue. Okay, two hours to do something. What should I do? Yeah. And then you're in the middle of a shower and your baby wakes up. Yes. You're like shampooing the hair. You're like, no. The baby <laughs> won't die from you just wet, uh, rinsing yeah. your hair out and drying you, yourself. You just panic. I felt yeah. like panicking. And I remember going out, um, going outside and picking up my daughter. Yes, my, my kids sleep outside. <laughs> <laughs> during naps but I remember going outside in the towel and getting her and putting her back inside that'll be another episode of baby sleeping outside because mm. they do here in Denmark yes <laughs> we don't have time to speak about that but that will be another episode but it is it's no new parents prepared for that Really? And we focus on, oh, the baby, the baby, mm -hmm. the baby should be this. It's like, but the mom also needs so much support and help. Yes. And this is, I think it's so amazing that you created this group called Mothering the Mother. Yes, that's what it is. Yeah. Mothering the Mother, that's what we should yeah. do, right? Really, because the mother is actually a newborn mother. Yeah. She is, uh, especially with the first baby, it is a totally new world for her. Yeah. So we should really do our best to support and comfort and make this m person feel loved and like in a in a lovely little cocoon if we could you know yeah and i've sometimes i feel bad because i know some first-time mothers and um i don't want to talk about all the bad things because mm. it is so exciting for them and it is like such a happy moment for them to be pregnant and experience yeah. it but in my head to be honest when i see a first-time parent in my head i'm like oh man you don't know what's coming. It's mm -hmm. like, and I don't feel bad for them, but I'm just like, your life is going to be turned yeah. upside down and you don't even know it yet. Mm -hmm. Because like, I was thinking in my head, like, prepare for your hair up in the bun for four years <laughs> <laughs> or chopping it off in the mom bob <laughs> and say goodbye to your heels. <laughs> but there's actually some moms that just keep it up yeah. and mm -hmm. are crazy and have full-on makeup, full-on clothes yep. every day. And props to you guys because that's amazing and that's incredible. And I would love to be like that, but I have totally not given up, but just gave in to uh, hair up and uh, constant uh, t-shirt and pants and tennis shoes and flat shoes 
before it was heels and dressed up and eyelashes and hair done. I've given up on that. But you look lo- look lovely anyway. So oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So yeah, postpartum is something that is should be, I think. Taught more to yes. to new mothers, yes. and with with your uh, position as being a doula, mm-hmm. and I I think it's you stress it. Do you do you focus a lot on postpartum also yeah. during the birthing process? Yes, but no, not during the birthing yeah. process. Yeah, not during that <laughs> at, time. A, at the preparation birth prep classes. Yes, I actually want want to call it now uh, p- parenting preparation yeah. because parents really. Uh, it's that's actually what I want to teach them to be new parents. Yeah. You know, uh, of course, I I also focus on a lot on how to breathe and how to relax and blah 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 at the birth. But I also tell people that afterwards there is a time. I want them to actually be prepared with, uh, for example, telling them to cook some good meals yeah. uh, and put in the freezer so you have like for at least meals maybe for. 30 days if you can, you know, yeah. as much as you can, so that you don't have to worry about, oh, what am I going to cook tonight? Because that's yeah. a worry for moms a lot, uh, even for old people like me. And uh, uh, then they can just take something out of the freezer and that can thaw out and then you, dad pops it in the microwave yeah. or you whatever you do with it, you know. And um, uh, so or that you don't worry, you know that you cannot be on top of your house. Yeah. So maybe you want if you really need that you you uh, you get the cleaner to come in maybe yeah. once or twice a week uh, so that you can have s- at least some kind of cle- cleanliness of the house or ask somebody to shop for you you yeah. know all those kind of uh, basic things so that you can actually just spend time loving your baby yeah. bonding with your baby and relaxing yeah. healing yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for explaining a little bit about the doula or postpartum and also coming to the show and helping international moms live in Denmark. Um, listeners, if you want to contact Helen, please feel free to reach out to her. Um, I'll have all her links on my Facebook uh, and webpage since that's up and running. Yes. Um, and also, if you guys uh, want to connect with her, uh, that will be all for that. So thank you, Helen, for uh, coming and uh, speaking about uh, doula and postpartum and a little bit about your life. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been yeah. really fun. I don't want her to go. Ah, oh. Can <laughs> well, we, we can. Her? I actually, I actually have more, so maybe she yes, will be coming back. I'll so come back. brilliant. I'm, yeah, I'm very happy now. Yeah, me too. So <laughs> let me finish my kids think I'm cool story. So we recently had daylight savings. And it's been extremely dark in the morning. Since the time change, my kids have been waking up very, very early. So when they wake up really early, I actually tell them it's actually midnight, which is really 6 a.m. And I try to get them back to sleep, but that does not work. So, yeah, I'm not being such a good mommy for telling them at 6, uh, it's midnight. Anyways, thank you for listening. And that's a wrap. We'll talk to you guys next week.
Thank you.